Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I am your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love talking on the program to uh, J.L. Carpenter, the attorney extraordinaire. Uh, she's done phenomenal work, has been involved in, in cases, including one we're going to be talking about today that has captured the imagination of the entire nation and uh, really looking forward to. Uh, in fact, this this case was so huge, uh, J.L., that you kind of disappeared for uh, almost almost a half a year uh, for us because it was so time-consuming. And this series we're doing is called Justice in the Law with J.L. Carpenter, and so glad to get back to it. We've had people ask about it. When is J.L. going to get back on? Well, she's getting back on now, and uh, this, this case is a doozy. This is a case where she has extraordinary knowledge about, and, of course, she has to protect the uh, – her client, uh, A.J. Armstrong, who we're going to be talking about today, um, but it's fascinating. And what we do in this series to refresh people's memories is we look at true crime stories and we really try to get an interpretation of what's happening. These stories are largely made by journalists, some of whom know nothing about the law. <laughs> and, and I look at her and go, gee, why did that happen? Why did this happen? Why? And really, uh, the answers to most of those type of questions I have requires an attorney perspective, which is why I love having these chats with JL. So, JL, welcome back to the show. show long time, no talk. Before we get into our, our subject, real quickly about your practice in the best website to learn more. Thanks, Kevin. It sure does feel great to be back. It was a long break, but my practice is criminal defense in Harris County and the contiguous counties, and my website is jlcarpenterlaw.com. Yep. Make sure you check that out, and uh, hopefully you don't need her because her expertise is criminal defense. <laughs> but it uh, is always nice to have someone in mind if you ever need someone like, uh, like her. It's just phenomenal what she does. She brings a lot of experience both as a prosecutor and now yours as a defense attorney. So very good stuff. So per your recommendation, uh, I looked at the Texas True Crime documentary uh, produced by ABC. All of those are really well done, including this one called All-American Killer, Season 3, Episode 1 of Texas True Crime. Frankly, the title alone kind of indicates they had an axe to grind. Uh, of course, it was completed after the uh, – case was adjudicated. And so why don't you set the stage with us about the case? It's a fascinating one. It was like the case that would never end. That's what it felt like. Sure. Yeah, it, it lasted for seven years and three trials, and now it's on appeal, and hopefully we'll get a fourth try. But um, this was the state of Texas versus Antonio Armstrong, Jr. We call him AJ. And in 2016, his parents were murdered, and the police, in 11 minutes, decided that he had to be the murderer. And it took the state three trials to uh, get a conviction. The first trial was a hung jury. The second trial was a hung jury, even greater in favor of the defense. And then there was the third trial that consumed most of last year for us. Yeah, it was really demanding, and uh, and and in, in that one he got the uh, conviction, as you already pointed out. And I was kind of surprised. Frankly, I was surprised that they even tried a third time. Um, Me but too. you know they, that's what they do, and they have unlimited money, unlike the defendants. Um, this is why you know, as you've said often, ninety percent of all uh, convictions uh, happen uh, without a trial. 
You know, they, they agree to a deal because, of it, you know, they can't keep up with the resources of the state. And this was enormous and highly suspicious all along. But I've got to tell you, yeah. when I look at this, I think this was edited in such a way that A.J. probably did it. That's the way it was edited. What was your thoughts of the uh, of the episode? Which is a very good episode. People do need to watch it. Yeah, I agree. And this is on Hulu. I don't know if we said that. But then there's a follow-up interview that KPRC did with AJ in the penitentiary. And I think that he helped fill in the gaps that you don't see on the Texas True Crime on Hulu um, regarding this case. He answers things that are not brought out in this documentary. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, okay, this is what happened. We're going to, you know, this is the uh, editors at ABC here in in uh, Houston. Okay, this is what happened. We're going to go ahead and support the narrative. This is what the state convicted. It's what it felt like. And it wasn't like it was um, totally in. It wasn't like it was, um, which, frankly, that's what made it more convincing. It's the fact they didn't act overtly like uh, advocates for the state. But essentially, they did a very sophisticated job of supporting the state's arguments, I thought, which made it more dangerous. Um, You know, knowing you, and of course, you were always discreet, you always had the responsibility of acting as such, uh, but, uh, you know, you had a a serious sense of doubt uh, about the case on the state's part and, uh, you know, felt very confident or fairly confident that you were going to get a a good outcome. And so that was a sense I always got from you. And then as I look closely and and try to look at it as a juror, which is impossible to do unless you are a juror, right? Because jurors are the only ones seeing everything from beginning to end. Everything everyone watching it on TV is seeing is seeing something edited. edited. And that edited has a bias, intended or not. There's always a bias. But, you know, I looked at a lot of different sources with articles. And to me, when I think of the criteria, which is beyond a reasonable doubt, I thought that was a very hard thing to obtain, which, you know, apparently there was some truth to that, requiring three three trials before there was that conviction. Right. Well, you're asking uh, 12 jurors to convict on capital murder beyond a reasonable doubt when there is zero physical evidence connecting our client to the crime. No fingerprints, no DNA, no blood spatter, no gunshot residue, zero physical evidence connecting our client to the murders. Right. Yeah. And and, and, and overwhelmingly no evidence. I mean, it's really bizarre how that uh, uh, unfolded, how it, you know, I, I have to ask you, though, this is one thing that I've been dying to ask you, but knew I really shouldn't talk to you about it, so I didn't even try until this case was done and adjudicated. And I thought, what better time to ask, but then, during this interview I knew we were going to have, which is, you know, I have never seen a defendant get more support from the victim's family than this defendant. Now, of course, he's a part of that family, but I have never seen this level of support. Um, and it is not unusual for a family member under trial, uh, regardless of how charismatic and loved that family member is, uh, essentially being abandoned by the rest of the family because they think he or she committed the crime. I didn't see any of that across the board. No. And the entire family. Josh, right. the, the older entire, brother, right? And right. The entire. Your oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I entire, wanted to get to my actual yeah. question, but go ahead. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the entire family, you're right. Kurt, you're, the entire family supported AJ the entire time, all seven years, and still do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that even included Josh, the oldest brother, yeah. uh, from what I could tell. And what was interesting is that the defense's argument said, hey, and, and they weren't saying that, that Josh did it per se, but they were saying there's other people to consider that the state didn't consider and it did. Where the, the police had rushed to judgment and what they called a, a ten minute uh, engagement with AJ, and they were they were done. They were ready to take him to you know take him to uh, life in prison, maybe the death penalty, uh, you know, depending on what they could get. And uh, and so the, it was interesting to see that Josh, you know, who has mental health issues, it's well documented, um, much discussed. Um, they moved to him as the one who probably you know, or could have, rather, done this. It wasn't really seriously looked at. And I'm curious how the family responded to that, because I never seen any reports of the family talking about the, the move by the defense towards Josh. Well, I think the family was very supportive in the defense in all three trials, and, you know, there was an alternative suspect um, theory that we placed out there, and there were other people that could have been looked at as well that weren't, um, some who have since passed away. And so um, that ship has now sailed. But um, this was a case where the entire family supported AJ and his dad's mom, so his paternal grandmother, she's a pastor. She took the stand and she looked at the jurors and she said, I had my son when I was 15 years old in Cashmere Gardens, and he became an NFL football player. He was my baby. He was my world. My beautiful daughter-in-law, she passed away. But I'm telling you, and she looked them all in the eyes, my grandson did not do this. Yeah. Did she testify in all three trials? No. Did she testify in the last trial? Testified in the last trial. She testified in the first trial. I see. Okay. Um, so yeah. So her powerful witness was still there for the last trial because that's a powerful thing to, to, to obviously hear. But in in very good attorney fashion, JL, you didn't answer my question. <laughs> you you told me what the attitude was. You know, was basically circle the wagons around AJ is basically what I'm hearing which makes a lot of sense. But did any of them ever comment about the defense's uh, strategy of focusing on the possibility of Josh? Not in any conversations that I was a part of. Yeah, and apparently we would have, we would have, had, that, we would have had that on the evening news, right, if they had spoken to the news about that. Right, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it sounds like their strategy was one of silence. And letting you know, really focusing on um, on AJ, basically pr protecting AJ or helping AJ. And frankly, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And um, I think I really believe that the defense's entire point was is that there's other people that should be vetted rather than a rush to judgment, which is what the defense's entire argument was that there was a rush to judgment. Absolutely. We felt like from the very beginning that the police had tunnel vision and they had to make the evidence fit their theory. Yeah. And so I've been biting at the bit for 
months, you know, to talk to you about this. And of course, I've been very well behaved. You got to give me credit for that. Uh, I, I knew, do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what your limits were, so I didn't even go there. I, I uh, love having you on the show, and I want to keep on having that. So I wasn't going to push my luck. Um, <laughs> and, but uh, I do know now, of course, the. Um, uh, two of the attorneys, at least, have said they are not going to be involved in uh, the lead trial. I'm assuming that in- includes you as well, that they, that they have a different team that typically does uh, appeals, which is not – I know the other two attorneys say they typically don't do appeals. Is that the same with you? Right. So we um, are trial attorneys, and so our job now is done, and we'll let the appellate process play out, and then if it gets kicked back down to the trial court, we'll take it from there. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, very good point. So, it's not that you're done per se, but you're done for now. For now, because, um, you know, we do the trial work and then we protect the record as best as we can. And I think we did a really good job in this case of having a great record for the appellate process. And now we'll let that play out and um, see if he gets a, a fourth trial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the things that uh, bothers people about our legal system, uh, but I think is actually one of the virtues of our legal system, uh, I I remind people that uh, the uh, uh, British soldiers that went to trial for the Boston Massacre were defended in court by John Adams, who would become President of the United States, is that everyone deserves a day in court. They deserve a right to a fair uh, trial. And so, uh, but with that, I, I, I know people in your field, and they don't always, they're, they're not always convinced your client is not guilty, but that their client still deserves a, a rigorous defense, defense because those are principles this country is built on, you know. And so, um, you know, how, how, with, with a little nuance, your feelings about this case compared to some of the others you have had to be involved in. Oh, I fell in love with AJ as a kid. He's just such a remarkable young man and now a father and a husband. But during the first trial, I mean, he's the same age as my son. And during the first trial, I was just brand new to the uh, case and to the facts. And I I was I had to hold back emotion, um, especially when he started crying when he saw the um, pictures from the medical examiner's office of his parents um, up on the big screen. So they were more, uh, I think, thoughtful in the second and third trials in that they put them on poster boards to show the jury instead of putting them in front of the entire courtroom on an overhead. But, um, you know, if you got a chance to meet AJ, you'd feel the same way. He's just a remarkable young man. So when you say they, you know, put it on poster board rather than the overhead, they being the state. The prosecution, yes. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and then I, I don't know, I, I doubt they did that for altruistic reasons. My <laughs> 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 gut, that took place in order of, we don't need to see AJ, you know, getting super emotional here. You know, we don't need to, uh, uh, you, you know what I'm saying, that, that uh, you know, did, did not help their case. That kind of emotional thing does not help the case. I'm sure he demonstrated emotions there, but I'm sure it was much more powerful uh, in the other scenario. So that's really interesting. So for you, I mean, this is, this is not your first major case, and it's certainly not your first case. You know, weigh this case in the long list of trials you have done in terms of what made it unique, important uh, to you, and, and uh, lasting impact to you. Well, I think more than anything, we felt like we had become family, not only with AJ, but with 
the entire village of his family and as a team, as a defense team, spending that kind of time together over and over again for a common goal, we really bonded. And so it was very difficult that final day to leave that courthouse for the very first time without AJ with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when they walk in, you know, what was your sense? Because, you know, I would assume in your field you learned to be poised, um, not necessarily during the trial, but at the end of the trial before you hear the verdict. You like to set yourself up to be surprised why they've been disappointed. I would assume that that's part of, you know, how you can continue to do your work. Uh, is that accurate? Well, in this case, I really thought we were going to have a third hung jury. I was surprised by a verdict, but um, there was a little bit of miscommunication between the jurors and the bailiff, and I was in the courtroom when it was happening, and I kind of was able to put two and two together that I figured out we had a verdict that was probably not in our favor. And then when I brought the client in and I was trying to prepare him for what might happen, um, apparently, he saw the uh, prosecutors give each other a fist bump, and we knew then it was probably not in our favor. Yeah. Now, why would they have done that? Was that because of the nonverbal communication by the jurors? I, I understand that jurors often do not look at the defendant if there is a guilty conviction. I mean, what was it that made them do the fist bump? I don't know. I wasn't in that conversation, and the jurors hadn't been brought in yet. Um, I mm. just think that they felt like um, if there was a verdict, it had to be in their favor. Got it. Got it. Well, and, and there's a sense that that was always going to be the case. You know, to me, it seemed like after the second one that these trials were never going to stop uh, until the state concluded we can't afford this anymore. <laughs> it wouldn't stop because uh, of a not guilty, because – you know, the nature of the crime, the nature of the whole situation was such where, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't know. On the other hand, I'm just shocked by the lack of real evidence. It, you know, the, the consequential evidence was a, a mile high. There was a lot. You know, there was a lot to raise questions. But, you know, in real tangible evidence, not really anything except for after seven years, the discovery of blood on a T-shirt. Talk about that. That to me so is that weird. Was, that, that to me, it seemed a little bit desperate. Um, but basically, after seven years, on the Friday before trial was supposed to start um, earlier last year, they had a blood expert come in, and she apparently found two specks of blood on the adhesive side of the visitor tag that they placed on AJ's T-shirt the night that he went to homicide for his interrogation. So at the very minimum, we feel like it was cross-contamination. I'm not accusing anyone of doing anything, you know, nefarious or wrong, but it just looked, it, it looked wrong. It looked desperate. And so, um, you know, they put that out there and we showed pictures of how the uh, T-shirt has been handled over the past seven years. And, you know, even as we were handling the evidence during this trial, you could see flakes of blood, dry blood, from like the pillows dropping off into the cardboard boxes and you know you blow the air and it's going to land somewhere why not land on something sticky like the adhesive side of the tag yeah yeah very very interesting and um cross-contamination you just explained how that could have happened just by air the way air operates i gotta tell you for for me having had watched a lot of these shows and have done a lot of reading in the true crime space over the years 
uh, I'm not as generous as you. <laughs> to me, it looks more nefarious than that. Um, so what happens well, next? There, Obviously, there's an the, appeal. Talk a little about timelines. Well, there is an appeal on the criminal conviction. Also, there's a civil lawsuit that the um, client hired a civil attorney to handle as far as the blood expert and how all of that went down as far as his civil rights and any violations that there may be there. Um, and I will also go back and say that, you know, there were people in jail who were waiting for their very first trial because of the COVID backup and because of the Hurricane Harvey backup. Um, and yet our, our client was on bond and they still found time to try him three times before getting other people's first trials in who are in custody, right? Um, but now, um, it's on appeal. He has another lawyer who's handling that. So we just kind of sit back and wait and see how that process goes. It could take years. It could take five, seven years uh, for that process to go through and then get a determination. If um, if they rule in his favor, then we'll have an opportunity for a fourth trial. Yeah, interesting. So uh, why why were they so quick to want to have a trial, multiple trials for him while others continued to wait? Was that because of the publicity factor? Because there was an enormous amount of publicity around this. It immediately caught the imagination of people. And I can see why. Very charismatic, very successful family, uh, very um, together uh, uh, looking suspect in this. And, uh, and so there was a lot of reasons why. Is that, do you think, the real reason or the primary reason it was so quick to go to trial? You know, I'm not sure since I wasn't a part of those conversations, but you know, there's a lot of ego involved in what we do on both sides. We're, we're competitors. And so sometimes I think it might just be ego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, absolutely. Ego shows up in everything. So why not Why not this? <laughs> Final <laughs> thoughts as we begin to wrap it up. And uh, it's so good to get you back on. And, wow, so much fun to talk to someone who actually uh, was there and involved and part of a, part of a defense that, it was incredibly successful when you look at it compared to so many other cases that happened, particularly in the state of Texas. Well, and I do applaud you for not asking any questions while it was going on because we tried it two times while you and I were working together, and you never asked me anything, which was great. But, um, you know, I looked back and realized we actually tried that case twice in the same 12 calendar months. So um, no wonder why we were all exhausted when it was all over. But um, it was an honor and a privilege to be a part of the defense team and to get to know AJ and get to know his family. We still stay in touch, and um, I hope that there is a happier ending to this story. Yes, and what a, a beautiful wife and a beautiful baby, and it's very difficult to think about all of that and all the, yeah, and, and he got so much support from his in-laws as well. It's just yes, very difficult. Absolutely. And so it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I'd love to see justice for the parents, um, but I I remain like a lot of pe- other people, really doubtful that that has happened in this case. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, always love having you on, JL Carpenter. Your website one more time. JLCarpenterLaw.com. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Absolutely, and we'll look forward to talk, chatting next month. I'm Kevin Price. This is the Nationally Syndicated Price of Business show, seeking for more after this.